BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we discuss the incredible power of kindness, show how kindness triggers the helper's high and causes dopamine and oxytocin to flow through your brain, look at study data from 136 countries showing the science behind why kindness is so powerful. We walk through several concrete examples you can use right now to take action to be kind to someone today, and much more with John Wang. The Science of Success continues to grow with more than 685,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries, hitting number one new and noteworthy, and more. A lot of our listeners are curious about how to organize and remember all the information that we talk about on the show. I get tons of listener emails asking me, Matt, how do you keep track of all this incredible knowledge that you get from reading hundreds of books, interviewing amazing experts, listening to podcasts, and more? Because of that, I've created an awesome resource for you. It's called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free. All you have to do is text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. It's a guide, again, we created called How to Organize and Remember Everything. Everything. Listeners love it. I get emails all the time from people telling me how great it is and how it's helped them organize all the incredible information they get from this show and all the other things in their lives that they use to improve themselves. Again, you can get it completely for free. All you have to do is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or go to that's scienceofsuccess.co, and put in your email. In our previous episode, we discussed the errors people make in their reasoning and how to correct them. We explained a number of statistical principles to help sharpen your thinking and make you a better decision maker. We looked at why every $1 spent on a scared straight program creates $400 in additional cost to the criminal justice system. We talked about the illusion of objectivity, why you should not rely on your intuition, and much more with Dr. Richard Nisbet. If you want to make better decisions and build a toolkit to do that, listen to that episode. 
Today, we have another exciting guest on the show, John Wang. John has spent the past several years researching the scientifically proven benefits that being kind to others has on our own lives, making us not only happier, but healthier and even more attractive. He's also the founder of the One Kindness Challenge, which transformed a personal experience into a mission to spread the healing power of kindness. We're going to dig a lot more into that, but John, welcome to the Science of Success. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. Well, we're super excited to have you on here. For listeners who may not be familiar with you or the One Kindness Challenge, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story. Well, man, every single year I try to take on a little personal challenge for myself. So like one year I did radical honesty, which is you have to go and tell, own the truth. You can't lie, not even like lies of omission. And ever since that one year, I sort of got addicted to seeing how I could push my personal experience in life to give a new perspective on how I view the world. And then, you know, one other year following that is I started taking, you know, people I was meeting on the street, especially homeless people out for lunch. So every single day, you know, if I see somebody who's homeless, I just say, hey, buddy, can I take you out to lunch and then chat with you about your story? And then, you know, we kind of chat over lunch and they would tell me what their life journey has been. And it was mind blowing. A lot of these people have such rich stories and histories. So this year, I was kind of without a story. And I realized that, you know, I, I didn't really have a mission for myself. I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I reached a point in my life where I was pretty happy and comfortable with what I wanted, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to take on the next challenge was. Now, I travel a lot. So, you know, I've been to over 40 different countries, you know, traveling around the world. And I saw a lot of different cultures. But earlier this year, I was in Nepal. I don't know if everyone is aware, but Nepal has just gone through one of the worst natural disasters of an earthquake, you know, over the last year. And it has done some really, you know, tremendous damage to the country. But when I was there and I was seeing that even though like there was a lot of changes that these people had had suffered through, you know, infrastructure, some of the stuff wasn't working. They were having electric shortages. They were having shortages of gasoline and stuff like that. I found that the people there were probably some of the most giving and warm people I've ever met. I mean, people were going out of their way to try to add to our lives and help us in any way. At one point, you know, I was coming back from this little hike and we're kind of stranded on the street and I had three different cars stop and ask if they could give us a ride. And I was kind of blown away. I was kind of like, what? You guys have gasoline shortages. So I mean, why are you trying to give this random stranger rides? And they were just saying, well, you know, because it's just the thing that you do and it adds to your life. So that philosophy really kind of stuck around with me. So I came back to North America and um, and I was just going about my day and I was just realizing that, you know, it was the winter time and I was kind of having low days and I was just like low on energy and stuff like that. So I was like, well, you know, one day I was driving up out of an event that I was with a friend and on the street, I saw this guy that I know. I wasn't very close with him, but I met him at a couple of events and I met him at a couple of parties and I pulled over and I was like, hey buddy, where are you going? Do you need to go somewhere? Let me give you a run. And he said, well, yeah, you know, I kind of need to get some groceries. I could walk. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm hopping. I'm going to drive you to groceries. And so he hopped in and it was like at 1 a.m. So we had to drive all around downtown Vancouver looking for a grocery store that's open 24 hours. But, you know, there we found a place. And, you know, we hopped into, you know, the grocery store. We walked around and, I, you know, we chatted, we laughed, we got a bond a little bit. And at the end of it, he was so thankful. He was like, look, man, I mean, I really appreciate this. I, you know, I was going to just go to take a walk over and I could have taken, added another hour to my evening. So I, I just want to say, I really appreciate what you've done. And I was like, no worries. Cause I, 
at that moment, I felt so incredibly happy. It was just this random, bizarre thing. I was having kind of a low day. I was kind of having this tired day. And I was like, man, I feel really great. I feel like stoked. I feel excited. I was like enthusiastic. So I came back home and I was like, Wait, is there a reason for this? Because I've always been a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a psychology and science nerd. So I'm like, oh, there's got to be studies done about this. So I started punching it into Google. I'm like, you know, kindness and how it makes us feel. Like, where is that coming from? And then as it turns out, there's been tons of studies done, but we just have been terrible at talking about it. As it turns out, like kindness isn't just a thing that you do for other people. It is directly tied into how it makes us feel. And, and we're going to talk about this later on, but there's an evolutionary purpose to why it is that kindness is one of the strongest driving forces in making us happier. And I just thought that was really cool. So after the event, I was like, well, dude, I got to get this out there. I got to get other people doing this and feeling like this all the time. Because if just this one little act could make me feel so much happier and so much more energized and so much more passionate, what will happen to the world if we get thousands of people doing this? So anyway, that's how the One Kindness movement started. And, you know, we went and started doing research on how we could best remind people because, I mean, Honestly, I think I think most people want to be kind, right? I think it's not really a surprise to say, yeah, kindness makes us feel good. Everybody kind of knows that, but we just didn't know why. We just didn't know how it made us feel exactly, what the process was, what exact chemicals are going through our brain. What is that that trigger that makes you, you know, feel that hit of dopamine and seeing that rise in your oxytocin levels? So the biggest reason why we don't do it often is usually because we don't get reminded of it enough. And that was the second part of it. We're like, okay, well, we need something to create a psychological anchor. And, you know, in the past, I did a little bit of research into, you know, things like NLP and how anchors work. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, well, why don't we merge that together? You know, why don't we create something that can create a physical reminder that whenever we looked at, you know, it will remind us of how we felt and it will remind us of why we do this. And even more powerfully, it remind other people of how we do this. So the band, basically, if you want to take a look at it, you can check out, you know, designs of the band. It's on our website, which is onekindness.org, which is onekindness.org. It's just a simple wristlet, like a bracelet. And then there's a little part that you can flip over. And once you flip it over, you can see our logo. So every single morning, you start by wearing the bracelet on one side. And it just says one kindness, which just reminds you, go out there and do one kindness, like one act of kindness. Because really, I mean, it's the daily consistent acts that build up. And after you do your one act of kindness, you flip the band around. And then you see the logo and just reminds you like you've done it. And other people see it and they're like, you've done it. And they get reminded of it. And you get to inspire the people around you to do more of that. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's awesome. That's, I mean, there's some fascinating challenges that you've put yourself through. I mean, everything from radical honesty to taking homeless people out to lunch for a year, that must have been really, really insightful. And, and I can see how that kind of inspired the journey towards the one kindness challenge. Yeah. <laughs> radical honesty was a fun experience. I would say it, it was a difficult experience. Not, I mean, honestly, like not to say that I'm not an honest person most of the time. I am and I try to be, but you'd be surprised at how often we tell these nice little pleasant lies that kind of get away just to make our day a little bit easier, right? Somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? And we go, great. Even if you're kind of having a crappy day and we think like, well, that's not a you know, what's wrong with that? Like, we don't want other people to get involved. We don't want to like, you know, start a huge conversation. That makes a lot of sense. But as it turns out, I mean, like a lot of dishonesty actually creates a sense of disconnection from people. 
So, you know, if you ever get a chance to check out the book Radical Honesty, it's by a brilliant psychologist. His name is Robert Blanton, and he started a movement, you know, about, about radical honesty. You know, but we'll get into that some other day because <laughs> I, I think today we're just talking about kindness. Definitely. So you kind of touched on it, talked a little bit about the band. Just to kind of reiterate, what is the One Kindness Challenge itself? It's actually a really simple thing. Now, at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, we all want to do kindness. Things. We all realize the power behind kindness, but it's easy to forget, right? Even right here with us, right, Matt? Like you could think of a time where you've done an act of kindness. It could be recently or it could be from a little while back ago. And just, I want you to just picture that. Just picture what it is that you've done or picture what it is that even you've seen somebody else do and how that made you feel, right? How that experience felt. Like just take a moment, just really immerse yourself in that memory. And how did that make you feel? What are the feelings that you're going through? What are the experiences that you're going through in your body? And in that moment, even just now, when you're remembering it, when you're, when you're picturing yourself there now, what you're experiencing could be one of a few things. And maybe you're experiencing some level of warmth, like a warmth that's sort of starting up in your chest area. And it could be feeling like this like calmness and serenity and happiness. So what is happening there is that your kindness is actually triggered by this thing called the vagus nerve, which is right at the, you know, our, the base of our brainstem. And the vagus nerve basically controls things like your digestive tract and, and your body functions. But more importantly, it controls your heart and your heart rate. So you know, this has sort of been linked in a lot of ways of vagus nerve to empathy and feelings of sympathy and empathy, which is why a lot of times when you see somebody, you know, do an act of kindness, you get that same feeling as if when you were doing it yourself. If you ever watch those videos, you can go in this, these great series of videos that are made by, I think, like a, a Thai insurance company. And one of the videos has this guy just going around doing these daily simple acts of kindness. And he's just going around and he's like, you know, helping people do things like water plants and like helping old ladies cross the street, helping like street vendors, you know, giving some money away to, to somebody who's perhaps living on the street and not as you know fortunate as he is. And he's not a rich man or anything like that. He's no Bill Gates. He's no like Elon Musk or some great philanthropist. He's just some guy who's trying to make people's lives better. And every time I watch that video, I get that same feeling. I just like, I want to tear up. I just feel like this amazing sense of like joy and everything like that. So what I'm experiencing, what you're experiencing in that moment, when you're watching that, when you're feeling that, when you're remembering that is that you're getting a hit of dopamine and you're getting, you know, this hit of oxytocin in your body where, you know, that level is going up and you're feeling, you know, what scientists have now called the helper's high. It actually is kind of a high because you really do get this this thrill from it. So our goal with the movement is very, very simple. We're trying to get as many people doing a daily act of kindness. And like I said, it doesn't matter if you're doing a massive act, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go out and, and you know help build a shelter, build a, a hospital down in Peru. Or if you're doing something extremely simple, which is just like, I'm going to open a door for somebody. I'm going to help that lady, you know, in the parking lot with her groceries. I'm going to go up to someone and say, hey, listen, I just want to say, I really appreciate you and what you've done. Or, or you write, write a note of thank you to my old high school teacher or my old, you know, my old friend who once helped me. And I, you know, I never really got to really express that. All of those counts as acts of kindness. And the funny thing about that is that as it turns out in these studies, there's not a massive difference between the size of the work that we do, but there is a massive difference in the consistency. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Which is to say, if you do one act, like let's say you do one massive act in one day and then you don't do anything again for like six months, the effect of that is not anywhere nearly as powerful as if you were to do, let's say, like 21 days of these small little acts, which is why we, we tell, you know, the people who are part of our movement to say, you know, look, you can participate in this. We hope you participate in it forever because what an amazing thing you'll be doing for the world. But, you know, at the very least, like try it for 21 days, like do it once a day for 21 days and see how it makes you feel. And I can guarantee you it will change your life. It would change the way you see the world. It would change the way people look at you, which is, you know, another thing we're talking about, which is actually kindness makes you look more attractive to, <laughs> to the opposite sex and to other people, which is, which is great. But it would change your lifestyle, it would change how you feel. So our goal is to try to get at, you know, like a million acts of kindness out there because, you know, it's very clear that right now we need more kindness in this world more than ever. Whatever your politics is, whatever your background, culture or history is, I think it's pretty clear that right now the world is going through some changes that let's just say maybe more divisive, right? People are becoming a little bit more disconnected. People are becoming a little bit more distant from each other. So we need to build that back into our societies. Yeah. So that's what the movement is about. We're trying to get people to go out there and do 21 act of kindness at the very minimum and just watch their lives change. You know, the insurance company commercial that you mentioned, which we'll include in the show notes is amazing. And the first time I watched it, you know, there's kind of a moment where some of the seeds that he planted, I don't don't want to spoil it, but sort of start to show to bear fruit, I guess. And I literally like broke down like bawling crying. It was like such a powerful, (laughs) such a powerful video. So I definitely recommend, you know, everybody listening to check that video out because it takes three minutes and you'll definitely get a huge 
kind of emotional reaction and a hit of sort of oxytocin, dopamine, etc. But I think you made a really good point. Oh, I think it was you who told me about the video, right, Matt? I, I actually think it was. We were on a call before and you were the one who was like, oh, you got to go check out this video. And you're absolutely right. I started to fall. <laughs> I just was like, and I'm not a person who gets emotional very easily, right? Like I'm not a person who cries very easily. But man, like when I saw the video, I definitely started tearing up. Yeah, I mean, it's super powerful. But yeah, for listeners who want to check it out, it will be in the show notes and you can find it there and watch it. I think you made another really good point as well, which is that, you know, regardless of kind of the current political climate, everything else, even just with the advent of the internet and the way that people consume information today, we're so much more siloed and cut off from other people in many ways. You know, being a millennial myself, when I want to order food, like I'd rather interact with a phone than go interact with a person. You know what I mean? And so finding a way to kind of reach out and and connect with people, I think is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And I'm exactly like that. You know, I got my like, you know, I got all these ordering apps, you know. And if you think a look at what made Uber very popular in a lot of ways, it's not just the fact that it's a convenient way to get a taxi, right? It's also the fact that now there's a way that we could just enter the address and we could pretty much just like hop in a car, never say a word and then arrive and then hop out the car and just be like, yeah, thanks. You know, the f- oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't <laughs> no, mean to cut it, you off. I was gonna say the funny thing about Uber is like, it's funny because it definitely taps into that dynamic. I've had so many interesting experiences with Uber drivers where if you just kind of engage them and you can peer into their lives and, and have some really fascinating moments of connection, you know, mm-hmm. in like a 10 minute car ride. So you can, you can kind of flip the script a little bit. And if you want to, it's a really cool opportunity to meet people that are sort of totally outside of your sphere of influence or the way that you kind of normally live your life. I absolutely agree with you. It's one of those things that's easy for you to make a connection with somebody. And note, like, that's what I always really emphasize is that it's not just about like saying hi. It's not about the words. It's about making a connection. And we're, we're really lacking in that right now in, in society because we have, you know, we have Snapchat, we have Facebook, we have, you know, I have, I think, over a dozen different messaging apps on my phone. I don't even know why I have so many. I'm like, I have at this point, I'm pretty sure like at a certain point, I'm going to start having more, you know, connectivity services than I have real friends that I hang out with. And that's something not right about that. But, you know, we've replaced real connection with, you know, this kind of false image of connection. You know, we replaced going up to somebody and be like, wow, I saw the picture from your trip. That was amazing. Tell me about what the trip was like with Facebook likes and Instagram hearts. We've turned into this faux connection society, which is a tragedy, right? Because there's so much to be had in making that human connection. And we never know how much power that is. We're becoming more and more disconnected. We're becoming more and more lonely. But there's so much power in reconnecting. You know, in the 1970s, there was once a man who walked onto Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And he, you know, kind of crawled over the ledge where there was a railing. And then he stood there and he thought about it for a moment and, and he jumped. And, you know, he plummeted, you know, the 220 feet or so, hit the water and didn't make it. His psychologist, who, with the help of the medical team afterwards, basically went to his apartment to try to find out what had happened. And his psychologist, his name is Dr. Motto. And they went into the guy's house and they went up to his desk, a little bureau, and on the bureau was his note. And all it said on there was, I'm going to go to the Golden Gate Bridge today. If one person smiles at me along the way, I will not jump. And it was such a harrowing moment. And the the doctor, the psychologist later on in an interview with The New Yorker was recounting this experience as it's something that's so small, 
that all he was looking for. I'm not saying that that was the only thing that that pushed him to that. And I'm not saying that, you know, all the people who are going through depression or difficulties, that's all it takes to get them out of it. Certainly, I don't want to diminish, you know, the experiences that the difficulties that they're going through. But day to day life, I mean, from what most of us are looking for is not a massive thing. We don't necessarily want to have like 15,000 best friends, right? But on a day-to-day basis, we just want that human connection. That's what we are. We are human. We're social creatures. We started off as social creatures and we still are social creatures. And technology has started to replace real connection with messages and, you know, Instagram likes and all these things that aren't real human-to-human emotions. And and that affects our physiology, that affects our psychology at a very deep level, because that is what we are evolutionarily speaking accustomed to. And we've had that taken away from us, right? Which is kind of a tragedy in, in this day and age. I was recently at a, a conference called Socialite, which is a, a gathering of all these people who are talking about things like how do we, you know, various things that make the world a better place. And, you know, we're talking about things like entrepreneurship and, and businesses that have these social elements built in. You know, for example, Tom's Shoes is a great example of this, right? They have this thing that they do where if you buy a pair of shoes, they give away a pair of shoes to somebody who's needy. And I was very fortunate to have been invited to be the opening speaker there. And, you know, we talked about this you know, are the one kindness movement and the project and how we're trying to get, you know, a million acts of kindness out there in the world and get, you know, all these people, hundreds of thousands of people to do daily acts of kindness and seeing what the effect would be. And the crowd was absolutely phenomenal. They, they were, you know, they were excited by the idea. And what was really cool was that after I gave the talk, you know, people were coming up to me and they were telling me about all their stories and they were telling me about all their experiences and, and how they felt after they, they heard it. And I was like, you know what, do me a favor, go out there, go do your acts of kindness. And after you've done them, send me a message if you've experienced something of a change. And you will not believe the messages I got back. You will not believe sort of people's stories. There was one story of somebody who went to a nearby cafe, bought a cup of coffee, and she started, you know, this thing where you can start a coffee chain, basically you buy coffee for someone else. And uh, so she, she was going in there. She's like, I'm going to start a coffee chain. I'm going to buy a cup of coffee for the person behind me. And you can do that. Almost all cafes will let you do this. Where you're like, I'm going to buy a cup of coffee and I want to buy, let's say, a cookie for the person behind me, for the next person to come in. And they're usually really happy to do this because it's a fun, cool way. And I remember, I think recently there was one big one that lasted for days. It was like, you know, people, like hundreds of people are coming in, buying something and then like buying something else for the person behind them. And it's just cool to like be part of a movement like that. But this woman was like, you know, she walked to the barista and she said, hey, listen, I, I want to start this thing. And then, you know, the barista was really happy to oblige. And she said, hey, I also just want to say, you know, I really appreciate the work that you do. You might not have heard this enough, you know, but I really appreciate that you're here and you're making my life better and you're making the lives of other people better. And the barista apparently just started to tear up. And she said that, you know, I, I haven't heard something like that in a long time. So, so thank you. And just like that, they had this amazing human connection, right? There's the science behind it is fascinating, though. The science behind kindness is really fascinating. So, for example, I'll talk about one publication over at Harvard. You can go and check it out. I'll ask Matt here to, to give you guys a link here. So Harvard published a study done by three different scholars, Elizabeth Dunn, Lara Aknin, if I'm hoping pronouncing it correctly, and Michael Norton. And they went on and did a study, basically, about trying to see how spending, what they call pro-social spending, which is spending on not just yourself, but other people, have an impact on you, the giver. Right. Because we all know that, you know, giving to somebody else, the person who receives it loves it. But what is the difference in how it makes us feel? So what they did was 
pretty interesting. They approached a bunch of people and then they broke it up into two groups. So for the first group, they were given $20 and they were, you know, they were told, go and spend this $20 on yourself. Go buy yourself something that you want. And they measured their happiness levels before and after. And then for the second group, they gave them the same amount of money. They said, here's 20 bucks. Go out there and spend it on somebody else. Just the only thing is it can't be somebody who can reciprocate. So you can't just give it to your friend. Be like, yo, like I'm going to buy you a meal today. But tomorrow you got to buy me a meal back, right? You just you have to give it to somebody else who you think you can make the life better. And a lot of these people, they were like all the participants are university students. They weren't, you know, very well off. The 20 bucks is, you know, it's a... Well, I mean, I don't know, based on the time I was in university, it's a few beers, right? <laughs> it's a, it's something that can make a difference. So they went out there and they were expecting because, you know, they're, you know, one of the, the professors or sort of one of the, the researchers, you know, was part of Harvard Business School. So, of course, they kind of had these hypotheses that personal spending will bring back, you know, greater joy. But then when they came back, they found that not only was it not true that personal spending when you spend money on yourself will give you more joy, the group that came back with having spent money on other people found a massive increase in happiness. Like they were coming back reporting significant increases to happiness. So they're like, whoa, okay, so apparently spending money on other people can be an effective route at creating your own happiness, at hitting those, those particular chemicals. That's pretty interesting. But then they thought about it and they said, well, what if we're doing this just the fact that $20 is not a big deal? What if that, you know, people aren't feeling that sense of loss? Because we talk about things like loss aversion. We talk about things like fear of loss all the time. So what if, you know, $20 is just not that big of a deal? So they said, well, what if we up that amount to something significant, like $1,000? So they went back to the university and they said, you know, can we have like a million dollars to give away to people? And the university's like, no. So, <laughs> so what they did was, well, you know, they were like, okay, well, what if we take a look at countries in which... $20 have the same spending power as $1,000. So that's what they did. They went out and they examined the correlations you know, between charitable giving and happiness in over 136 countries, which was ridiculous. But in particular, they would go to these third world countries in you know, Asia and Africa, and they would go and talk to the people there, and they would, they would bring in participants, and they would be like, well, here's 20 bucks, which over there had the, about the spending power, if I think they did the calculation, something around $800, which is massive, basically. It had the spending power of basically buying food for them for almost several weeks, if not a whole month. And a lot of these people didn't have enough food to cover their own basic needs. So like, well, this should be significant enough. We should see a decrease in the amount of happiness because they're giving away food that they actually need to survive, right? Well, what's interesting was that in this one, for the group that were you know, tasked to give away this amount of money, and I think that they also had them like buy treats or like give away like little bags of food and, and snacks and, and, and other things that could really make a difference in their own lives. That group came back reporting massive, like, like absolutely off the charts changes in their happiness levels. And they were fascinated. They were kind of like, they're blown away. They're like, why is this change so massive? I mean, shouldn't you be feeling that same thing that we talked about? We talked about things like, you know, prisoner's dilemma. We talked about things like, you know, game theory. We talked about things that were, you know, people don't like watching other people have more stuff in general. So why are they feeling this? And as it turns out, you know, they would talk to the participants. It would like, and the participants would say things like, you know, look, it's been years since I've ever been able to make somebody's life like that better. So 
to get that opportunity was huge for me. And they loved it. And, and they loved that feeling of helping. They loved wanting to feel in that helper's high that we were just talking about. So it's, it's really incredible. And, and there's been studies done that show the same thing across different age groups. You know, I have a, a study where, you know, scientists had brought in children and they were tasked, you know, and we're talking like really young little kids, really adorable little kids, like, you know, five to seven years old. And they were told that, you know, oh, you're going to come in. We're going to have a photographer take some pictures of you. But then when they came in, they were like, oh, the photographer is not here yet. So why don't you sit here and have a little snack? So they'll be given two different plates and plates had a little thing covering it. And, you know, in front of the two kids, they would raise these two covers at the same time. And in one of the kids' plate, there will be food. There'll be a little sandwich. And then in the other kid's plate, there will be nothing. And they wanted to see what the kids would do because, you know, we know kids and I've been around kids a bunch of times. You know, I have like, you know, nieces and nephews and stuff like that. Kids can sometimes be kind of jerks, right? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but kids can be kind of selfish sometimes, right? So they're kind of surprised to see that that idea that we've had that kids can be kind of selfish sometimes is really not something that we see at ages of, let's say, three to five years old or even two to four years old. It's something that we kind of learn later on, and it's an interesting phenomenon. Because with the younger kids, they found there's a higher rate where the kids would just pick up the food that they have, tear the sandwich in half, and then put one half on the other kid's plate. And again, this is this is without any instructions. This is without any kind of pro, you know prompting or anything like that. It's just they just naturally wanted to give. And I think that tells us a lot about the way our instincts are and they even did you know studies where they would examine you know what the the actions and instincts of toddlers like literally two like one to two years old they can barely they could barely walk at that at the age that they were measuring like you know about one years old and they will find that even at that age kids are natural that their natural instinct is to help other people so it's an interesting phenomenon that it's something that we almost forget the older we get it's, it's something that we almost get taught to let go of the older we get it's so fascinating yeah. that, you know, at the same, like, obviously the, the research behind this is really compelling. It's, it's science-based, but at the same time, it's such a simple thing that, that one kind of, you know, almost minuscule act of kindness can create a ripple where, you know, like the, the coffee chain you're talking about, where you don't even understand really the full impact that you might have just by smiling at somebody or just by, you know, saying thank you or holding the door for them or something that to you almost seems insignificant. It can create a wave of kindness that goes beyond what you can even potentially imagine. Yeah, absolutely. In, in ourselves and in others, because we don't know what it is that the other person is going through, right? We don't know what the other person is experiencing. Something as simple as just smiling at somebody, you know, walking down the street. I had a friend who once when having a bad day was, you know, decided to sort of take him on himself. This was back when we were in university and he was just like, you know, I wonder how many people is going through what I'm going through. So he started walking around campus and he just started, this was like during exam season when everybody was stressed out. But, you know, he started walking around campus and he would go up to random people who were just walking, you know, having their day. And he would go up to them and ask, hey, are you okay? You look like you're about to cry. And the first person he talked to and asked that question started to cry. And he was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, I, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to, to trigger that. And the other person was like, no, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I am really stressed out. And I really appreciate you asking that. And then he was like, well, was this just with students? So, I mean, this is not really that scientific because he wasn't doing this part of a study or anything like that. It's nothing like the studies that we're just talking about. But, you know, he this is a little bit anecdotal. But then he started doing this on a regular basis where he would start going up to people and asking, hey, are you okay? How are you doing? Like, you look like you're having a tough day. And we would think that would be a kind of rude thing to say to somebody. But 
you know, he wanted to take that chance to see, you know, if he could make somebody else's day better. And he was constantly coming back and telling us about how he would encounter somebody who was actually going through something really tough. And, and we always put on this brave face and we try to take it on ourselves. We try to take it on independently because we're taught to do that. But, you know, a simple thing like a smile, like just, hey, listen, I appreciate what you're doing here. And like, hey, like, I really like your scarf. You know, I just want to tell you that, you know, your eyes light up the room for me. These little things that we've become so afraid to break that social gap to say, social wall to say, can have a tremendous difference in other people's lives, right? So that kind of segues into what are some of the, you know, we've talked about a couple of really simple examples. What are some of the other things that, you know, somebody listening right now who says, okay, I'm fired up. I want to be kind. I want to kind of do a random act of kindness or, you know, find a stranger and do something. What are some kind of really simple ideas or actions that they can take in terms of sort of ways to jumpstart that or things that they can specifically do? That's a great question. You know, we actually, if you go to our website, which is again, onekindness.org or onekindnesschallenge.com, it goes to the same page. We actually have lists of that, of things that you can do, small acts of kindness, medium acts of kindness, major acts of kindness. And the reason for that is because a lot of times we, that's the number one question we get back, which is, what is it something that I can do? And I'll give you a few examples here. But if somebody who's listening, if you're interested, you can go check out the website and there's a place where you could put in your email. And all we do is we send you one thing you can do that day. And there's like, there's no spam. I promise we're not selling anything. So you just get a little idea of this is one kindness idea for the day. But you know, these are things that you can do. For example, leave a note thanking someone who you appreciate. This is something that takes no time, like literally no time. Just sit down. It takes you maybe 30 seconds, just grab a piece of paper and write down one person who you can thank. And I'll bet you can think of someone right now. Just say, listen, hey, I just want to say thank you very much. And you could either give it to them as a note because we just don't do paper anymore. We're so used to these text messages, but they don't have the same impact. But write a little note for them, you know, put in an envelope and just give it to them. Or if you don't want to do that and you feel like, oh, that person is too far away and you don't want to mail them something, take a picture of that note with your phone and send that picture to them. And this is huge. Like there's some kind of thing. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's really nice about seeing that somebody has taken the time to go through the old school and archaic methods of pen and paper to write a note. And they'll see that and that, that really becomes heartfelt. Another thing you can do is just, let's say you, you know, if you're at work or you're, you're at school or whatever it is, you know, bring over, you know, like Halloween just passed, you know, not, not, not like not too long ago, but you know, go and get some, you know, Halloween size candy, right? Like you can get them at any Costco or shoppers, you know, any shopping center really. And, and just pass them out just be like, here, like yeah, have a piece of candy. Or, you know, when you're walking by a parking meter and you see someone's parking meter has ran out or something like that, or something needs change, like, you know, give them some change. This is probably the biggest one. A lot of people say, well, what if I, you know, I give change to homeless people every day. I don't feel better. And I'm usually pointing out that, yeah, but there's a difference because you're not making a connection with that person. So if you're going to give homeless people some change, usually I recommend, you know, buying them a sandwich or something like that if they're hungry. But you know, especially because sometimes, you know, there's people who are struggling with issues like alcoholism, for example, you know, aside from giving them help, aside from giving them food or money or whatever it is, like have a conversation with them. Just ask, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, how has it been going? What has your day been like? And just connect with them. That on its own has sometimes massive impact. I would love to tell a story about that. Do we have time for that, Matt? Absolutely. I'd love to hear the story. Okay. So, a few weeks ago, I went out with a group of friends and we just, it was getting cold over here in Vancouver. And we decided that we were just going to give out some socks and, and gloves to some homeless people in this area in Vancouver called the downtown East Side, which is basically Vancouver's sort of area of, let's say like tent city. 
basically. There's a lot of homeless people there. There's a lot of people who are going through issues with substance abuse and drug use and everything like that. So we just thought, you know, it's getting cold, right? Like it's, you know, winter is coming, winter is coming. And, and we wanted to give away some socks so that they can warm up a little bit. And we're having a great time. We're giving away these things. And there was this, in our group, there was just, I think, about seven or eight of us. And there's three kids who had come along. They're about, you know, ages between about, like, let's say, 10 to 13. And it was somebody, a part of our group, one of our friends had brought her nieces and nephews because she thought it would be a nice teachable moment. So I came across this particular woman and she was very clearly cold. She was shivering when she was walking up to us, right? And she was wearing this, like, thin cardigan. She didn't have any socks on. And she was carrying this little bag of, candy it was i still remember it was these maynard sour patch kids candy and she was eating them and i assumed that she was eating them because she you know wanted the sugar because sugar kind of boosts your you know i think serotonin levels as well and so she was walking up to us and i said hey listen would you like some socks you know look like you're a little cold and she's like sure and she thanked us and gave him some socks a hat and some gloves she was appreciative but she was kind of like yeah thanks and then she just turned to the kids who were there with us and she reached out her hands, which is carrying this bag of candy. And she took the kids and she said, Hey kids, would you like some candy? And the kids without a moment of hesitation reached out, grabbed them the candy, each popped in their mouth. And at which point all of the adults in the group were just going like, <gasps> like we had this like moment of panic because, you know, we're on the downtown east side. Like, you know, there's a lot of diseases and drug use and we're just concerned that something may, good God, like whatever could happen, right? Like you don't take candy from a stranger like that. But, you know, in our moment of judgment and panic, the woman who just gave away the candy, you know, kind of looked at the three kids and said, you know, for the past two months, every day I eat this candy and I've been trying to give it to people, but nobody would ever take a piece. So thank you for taking a piece of my candy today. You guys have made my night. And she had this massive smile on her face. Like it was this different. She looked like a different person. And she wasn't nearly as happy when she was taking, you know, the gloves that we're giving her. She was just so happy that she got to give, right? So, I mean, you think about that. Like all she did was she offered a piece of candy. But in that moment, that change in her happiness was massive. So this is what I'm saying is that if you're going to give out some change to homeless people or or something like that, you know, don't just like drop some change and walk away. Like take a moment, ask, hey, how are you doing? And connect with them. They're human beings, right? Connect them as human beings. So many people were meeting were telling me like, you know, back when I was doing these challenges of taking out homeless people to lunch, one of the biggest things that I was constantly hearing was it's incredible how you can go through an entire day without a single person acknowledging you as a human being, without a single person stopping to make eye contact even without a single person who isn't trying to pretend that you don't exist, right? So that, even something like that is an act of kindness. So that's a small act, right? You know, leave some, you know, buy a coffee or, you know, offer to make a coffee run with you. If you're going out, if you're going to go grab a cup of coffee somewhere and there's somebody around you, you should be asking them, hey, buddy, can I get you some? Especially if they're a friend, right? Like, hey, listen, I'm going downstairs to grab a cup of coffee. You want something, right? Or I'm going to the vending machine. You want anything, right? Now, if you want to go a little bit further, you know, Take a look around your home. Like, do you have books that you don't need? Take them to a local library. Even better, like take them if you have toys at home or something like that, take them to a local children's hospital. They need those things, right? If you have a chance to drive for somebody, like if you have a car, offer to pick someone up or drop someone off. Yeah, it's going to add another like 10 minutes to your commute, but isn't 10 minutes worth your happiness? 
Isn't it worth like your health? That's the other thing we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about is there's so many studies. If you get a chance, go pick up a book. It's called, it's not my book or anything like that. I don't get anything from it. It's just a really cool book. It's called Why Kindness is Good for You. And it's written by Dr. David Hamilton. And in it is just massive lists of study after study after study talking about how kindness literally makes you live longer. They did a study with seniors and they found that, you know, seniors who volunteered or did daily acts of kindness had a 40% chance of surviving longer than the exact their peers who weren't doing something like that. And there's studies that show that it lifts your depression, it lowers your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and it, you know, improves your heart rate, it lowers your blood pressure. It literally, it's a, it's a list that goes on and on and on and on. There are just endless studies that show how much physical benefit there is to kindness. The science behind it is just absolutely astounding to a point where I'm, I'm constantly asking, why are we not doing this all the time? Why are you not doing this all the time? Right? Like why are we as a society so obsessed with selfishness when honestly kindness is the most selfish thing you could really do? <laughs> right? <laughs> It's pretty amazing. And it's so compelling. I mean, the stories themselves are inspiring, but the data is so resounding in favor of being kind to people. And we'll definitely include that book in the show notes as well. I'm curious for somebody who's listening right now, and I know we've given a lot of different examples and, and resources for them to check out. What is kind of one starting place, one piece of homework that you would give them? Well, the one thing I would say is I mean, we have these bands, we have these bracelets. And I would say, if you want a bracelet, we are going to start having them available. We've just been in the early stages right now. So we've been usually working with organizations to give their organization and schools these things. So if you're part of an organization or if you're a school and you want to contact us and you want to get a bunch of these bracelets and you want to bring one kindness as a movement to your organization, please do. We'll also start having your ability to sort of order them independently sometime soon, hopefully in the next couple of months. But really the one big thing is, Honestly, right now, if you don't have a reminder bracelet, and, and the reminder bracelet is key because you want to be able to anchor that feeling into your life, into your habits, right? If you don't have something like that right now, honestly, anything, a rubber band will work. And you can simply do this thing where like you wear a rubber band on your left wrist, and then at some point you go do an act of kindness, just slip the rubber band to the right, right? Go and, you know, if you want to get those kindness ideas in your inbox, go sign up for the inbox thing. Like I said, we're not sending these out. There's not going to be anything that's not just kindness ideas. And then challenge someone to do it because there's such a social element to it. You know, start just tell your friend, like, hey, listen, I'm starting a kindness challenge. For the next 21 days, I'm going to be doing a kind act every single day. And I want you to join me on this. You know, tag them on social, right? Send them a message on social media. The more people you get to join you, the stronger what you get out of it actually becomes because now you've got a kind of tribe of people around you who all do the same thing. And again, if you want, you know, these actual bracelets, they're, they're nice looking ones, send us a message and we'll see if we can get some to you. Well, John, this has been amazing. I love your mission. I love what you guys are doing. And I'm really excited about this. I hope that listeners will take this seriously and check it out, you know, sort of perform an act of kindness and, and see what it means to you and what it feels like. I know that I'm definitely going to do a kindness challenge and, and I'm going to challenge everybody at the Science of Success to do one as well. So I just wanted to say thank you again. This has been an amazing conversation. It's absolutely my pleasure. And thank you for having me on, Matt. This has been such a great time. I really love chatting about this.
Thank you so much for listening to the Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. The greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. That helps more and more people discover the science of success. I get a ton of listeners asking, Matt, how do you organize and remember all this information? Because of that, we created an amazing free guide for all of our listeners. You can get it for free by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or by going to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and joining our email list. If you want to get all this incredible information, links, transcripts, everything we talked about on the show, all the research data, and much more, you can go to our show notes, which is at our website, scienceofsuccess.co. Hit the show notes button at the top. You can get all the resources we discussed on the show today and any of our previous episodes. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 